1: listening to militantly mixed.
0: Hey y'all welcome to militantly mixed a podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host Charmaine aka mixed girl man and this is episode 64. My life did go back to normal a little bit. My guest that was visiting last week went back home. I also had another friend in town that same week so it it was a lot of going places and seeing people and a lot of social interaction. Uh, which was quite a bit for me right now, given that I'm dealing with some social anxiety. But it was an awesome week. I just had to record my last intro in my car in the parking garage because I had no private space to record it, which is why I need a studio so bad. Hopefully 2020 studio space is going to be a thing. But yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so life went back to normal a little bit. It settled down. I got my space back. I'm recording my intro in the wee hours of the morning, and we're all good. Life is a little bit chaotic. Uh, You know, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know what I got going on. I was passed over for a couple more jobs. So I am in a very desperate situation of looking for work and not finding it. I was passed over for something both well at my skill level uh, in executive assistance. And um, I was also passed over for a minimum wage retail job for not having enough experience. So life is really gross right now. Um, All the money is gone. And luckily, a friend of mine stepped up to help pay my rent this month. I cannot believe I'm saying that on a recording. Um, It feels awful and great at the same time. Great that I have a friend that was looking after me like that and terrible that I'm in a situation that that has to happen. So yeah, life is really tough right now, but at least I got one more stay of execution and hopefully can find something in the next couple weeks to uh so that I don't have to worry next month again about where I'm living. Uh, but success on the Patreon side, we did hit the $200 goal in September. So uh, we are currently at $203. We are moving on to the $300 goal for, by the end of October and we are $3 on the way there. So 97 more dollars and we will hit, the Patreon goal for October. For those of you who have just only recently joined listening and, and kind of don't know why I'm talking about all this kind of stuff on the show, at the beginning of the summer, I unexpectedly lost a job and it has been very difficult to find a new one. I'm over 40. I've had a, an employment gap that has to do with something I'm not legally allowed to discuss, so it makes it very difficult for me to look for work. I, I really love my podcasts and I just want to do this full time. But as of right now, I'm not I'm not making enough money on Patreon sponsorship to do it full time. And I've gotten to the point that my 401ks are all cleared out. My life insurance policies are all cleared out. My savings is gone and that's it. That's it. That's all the money. And um, I don't know where I'm going to be living from in a month, basically, is, is kind of the situation I've been in all summer. And things have always come through. help get me there. uh, But we're at that end. There's no more places that money can come from. So if I don't find a job soon, I'm pretty screwed, which is why I talk about it on the show, because I think it's important for y'all to know what's going on in my life, uh, to know from week to week what's happening. So I started to set the goals. I know that I need a minimum of $500 a month to sustain militantly mixed, just the show itself. That has nothing to do with my like if I were to actually get paid for this work, it has nothing to do with a salary for me yet or anything like that. But five hundred dollars a month will pay for all of the logistics of putting the show on, the the hosting fees for the for the actual file you're listening to right now, the website, the email server, the um, the software that I use to do the editing, the software that I use to clean up audio when it's really bad. All of this stuff adds up, uh, including the actual social media marketing time that I take and sometimes being able to pay to get a little bit of a boost and and put myself in people's uh, faces a little bit more all has a cost Um, it most of it has a financial cost some of it has a financial and a labor a personal labor cost and so right now I'm just trying to cover the financial costs and not the labor costs to get this done because the show has grown so much more things come with the growth so it's It's a thing of where now I actually do need more to sustain the show than I did when I first started the show. Each episode can take between 30 to 40 hours of my time to produce. That is in researching the guests, that's in chatting with the guests, doing the recording, cleaning up the audio, doing the edit, social media marketing aspects of it. There's so many things that go into it that by the end of it, it could take me about 30 to 40 hours to produce one episode of Militantly Mixed. And I do this four times over because I have four shows on my network. Uh, different levels of interaction, though, with Black, Radical, Queer. I don't have to do as much of the social media work and, and things like that to promote the show. I am I produce it and edit it, but Javia does most of her work in that respect. Uh, Blurred Comics and By Furious, I do do most of that work as well. So it's a, it's, it's a lot. And if I could sustain a minimum of $500 on each show, that would take a heavy burden off in terms of the... The other work that I need to do but because I'm not quite there yet um, I need to have a day job to be able to function and do these shows at the same time so I end up having two full-time jobs at the at the same time um, but I lost my last one so I gotta find a new one and that's where I'm at right now so the sponsorship has done tremendous in keeping the show going especially through the summer having hit the $200 goal this month has been such a relief And especially because around September and August is when a lot of the annual fees of some of the stuff that I do pops up. And so between the T-shirt sales on Teespring and the sponsorship, y'all really got me through the end of August and beginning of September. And so we got we're looking forward to try to hit that $300 goal uh, so I can capture some of the other stuff that um hasn't been paid for yet. So I really appreciate it. If you would love to sponsor the show, you can go to patreon.com slash militantly mix. I did recently reorganize the reward tiers. So there's more things there. I have a few more ideas for reward tiers that are digital based rewards. Um I just have to work out the logistics of them and once I do that I will get those up. But if you're already giving at a level that those would exist then your reward would be updated to include that reward so you don't have to wait. Um, I am lucky I think than maybe a lot of other podcasters that I do have some great donors at higher reward levels 50 30 25 and 40 dollar levels but those one dollar through five dollars is really kind of the bread and butter folks the more of those you get the you know the the easier it is to sustain and given my audience size if everybody donated at least a dollar to the show each month a lot of the show's expenses will be covered so don't feel like a dollar or anything like that is insignificant I actually had someone say I'll donate to you once I can get a little bit more than a dollar every month and I'm I'm over here saying that dollar every month adds up especially if a hundred of you did a dollar every month it would really add up so if you have if you do listen to the show on the weekly basis and you don't sponsor yet please consider just at least dropping in a dollar a month on the Patreon it goes a long way especially when there's a lot more of you doing it and um it, you know, it helps acknowledge that there's a lot of effort that goes into putting on the show each week. And if the show does give you something, help keep it going. Help me keep it going with your sponsorship. If you don't want to commit to a monthly donation, but you do want to donate to the show, we have another avenue for you. You can go to paypal.me slash militantlymixed and drop your coins in there. It all goes into the same main hustle media bank account. So however you donate goes a really long way. And I am looking forward to seeing that thermometer burst at the 300 mark sometime during the month of, of October. And the other way you can sponsor the show is go to teespring.com teespring, T-E-E, and search for Militantly Mixed Store. I have some more Militantly Mixed t-shirts up there. So keep that going. I'll add some more t-shirts over the next couple months. And, uh, and if you want the Be Your Mixed Ass Self t-shirt that we had in August, The way to get that shirt now, because it's no longer available on the Teespring store, is to donate at the $50 level on Patreon. So the three ways to sponsor the show, patreon.com slash militantlymixed for a monthly donation, paypal.me slash militantlymixed for one time only or whenever, you know, the spirit moves you, and uh, the Teespring page to buy a t-shirt. So you actually physically have something to represent your support of the show. Uh, those are three ways to support the show financially and it really goes a long way. I appreciate it so much. But if you do buy a t-shirt, please post a picture of yourself on Instagram, hashtag it, be your mixed ass self and also tag militantly Mix account in there so that I can see all your beautiful faces rocking the t-shirts. I actually really get a boost. Some people just emailed them, emailed some pictures to me and that was exciting too i've shared some of the ones i've got permission to share if you've sent me a shirt and i don't i haven't posted it yet it's because you didn't answer my question as if i have permission to post it i want to make sure i have that in writing that you said it was okay before i just go and post a pictures of you willy-nilly uh so yeah do that post pictures let us let everybody see you rocking your mixed race t-shirts and uh and yeah all right so let's see was that all the big news there is some big news coming, and I, I, like, I want to drop hints, but I can't yet, so I'm going to try to keep my mouth shut and just say that while I am in this kind of tailspin right now of of finance and, and needing to find work to survive, I am also building Main Hustle Media, and I'm sometime in the year 2020, it is very likely I will have a physical space, recording space, where I can start doing some of that work, which will help sustain the show as well, so... If you're already supporting me now, hopefully some of what your efforts you're doing for me will pay off in 2020 as well. So I'm trying to get to the point that I never have to work for somebody else again, but it takes a long time for that to happen. So in the meantime, I will be looking for for day work while also continuing to build Main Hustle Media and by extension, Militantly Mix. And I appreciate your support in making those efforts, uh, making those efforts pay off. Those dreams come true. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump on over to Tierra Manuel, the Curly Head Shinobi. I met Tierra luckily, while trying to interview someone else for one of my other shows. I was following Lee Williams, the Black Ninja, on social media, and we were connecting about possibly having him as a guest on Blurred Comics. But when we connected, he was in a really busy season and couldn't make it work, and we were going to meet sometime over the phone in September. But then he happened to be in Los Angeles in August and I was on my mental health hiatus, but I emailed him and I was like, yo, I see you're in town. Can I just meet up with you in person? And when I did his whole, like most of his whole crew was there. And I got a chance to meet a lot of the members of the team. And one member in particular is our guest today. Tierra Manuel is the curly head shinobi on in social media and out in the world. There are a whole clan of Black folks that do martial arts and gaming and anime and cosplay and a whole bunch of, of really geeky stuff that's right up in my alley as a Black Japanese nerd. And so when I was there to interview Lee, I was wearing my Be Your Mixed Ass Self t-shirt. We got to talking about Tierra being mixed. And then when Tierra got back home to North Carolina, we scheduled a time and recorded her episode for today please go to instagram and follow the curly head shinobi the poster of her and the black ninja for the graphic novel is so awesome i just really want to always have someone draw pictures of me as anime characters or chibi characters for the rest of my life uh, her poster is dope check that out also their videos and things that they have for all of the cosplay that they do the whole clan all that stuff is amazing and i'm gonna put links in the show notes to Tierra's uh twitch youtube and social media platforms so that you can watch everything that she is out there doing in north carolina all right so without further ado we're gonna go ahead and jump on over to the episode with Tierra manuel the curly head chanel So, my guest this week, I met just, I guess it's not on accident, I was, I was scheduled to meet with the Black Ninja, Lee Williams, for an episode of Word Comics on the second week of September, but you happened to be there and I got to meet you and got all excited that there was another mixed race person in the room. So Curly
1: Shinobi, mm-hmm. why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Thank you. Um, so, like she said, my name is Curly Shinobi. that's what I go by. Um, if you wanna know my real name, it's Tierra Manual. I basically just do I work with the Black Ninja, we do cosplay, we do martial arts together, um, I do Twitch streams, I'm a gamer and every area other nerd thing you could think of. All the nerds, so <laughs> Absolutely Um,
0: about me. You and I were talking, so when we were kind of setting, when I was setting up and everything at that interview, you and I started talking about the way people look at us as mixed folks, what their assumptions are and everything like that, how you automatically get spoke Spanish too, just because you're ambiguous presenting. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, you look like a mixed black person, but everybody, you know, I have an eye for mixedness because I'm looking for it, but what... (laughs) I'm always looking for a mix. I think we
1: can, I think we can spot each other out. i yeah, think like, everybody else. Spot your own
0: kind and stuff like that. But why don't, why don't we get into that a little bit? Like what your ethnic origin is and how you're perceived and all that.
1: Yeah. So I am, uh, black and white my mom is white my dad's black and of course there's a little bit other things in between like Irish on my dad's side my great grandma's full-blood Cherokee Indian Mm. and whatever else there is down the line I don't know everybody just kind of mix and mingle but the two main ones is is black and white Mm -hmm. but the one i most commonly get mistaken for is Hispanic like no matter where I've worked no matter where I go people always come to me talk to me in Spanish like they don't ask me they just start talking I'm like "Ah, I don't (laughs) understand what you're saying (laughs) especially with like at my job. that used to happen all the time so and it's funny because they're Hispanic people so it's like it's not other people who are mistaking me it's Sam yeah so like if a guy like a Dominican person like family would come up to me and start talking to me they're like oh I'm so sorry I thought you were Dominican like they would point out features like oh you know you had the the nose and the eyes I thought right I'm like and then most of it's just the skin color like just having that that tan skin like and curly it's, hair automatically assume like oh you're Dominican you're Cuban Puerto Rican right it's like the three main ones that I get so it's just funny how people think that and I I, I would think I'm like. I would think the first thing I would think would be mixed like that's I mean curly hair light skin like that would be the first one I go for but everybody thinks Hispanic and I'm like wow okay.
0: (laughs) Like I grew up here in Southern California and I when I was younger I I used to have a perm and I stacked my bangs and stuff so people thought I was Mexican (laughs) Um, but when I you know now I let my hair be the way that it is it's kind of straight and it's kind of curly and it's kind of wavy but if I'm east coast I'm Dominican or Puerto Rican if I'm west coast I'm Mexican or Filipino. (laughs) and (laughs) and like nothing is actually what people think I am is is what I am at all Uh, but you also kind of have a uh, you sort of have a
1: Latin last name and that also yeah and first name my first name Tierra means world in Spanish so it's Tierra and then Manuel of course is is Spanish. So mm-hmm. then if I tell them my name, they're really like, oh no nah, like, you're, you're lying. lying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh I can show you my birth certificate if you like. <laughs> but it just it just so happened to do that. And the last name is from my dad. like I said, he's black. Yeah. Like, whether there was some Spanish down the line or like a Spanish slave owner at some point, I had right. no idea. Like I really do want to find that type of stuff out. But yes yeah, it's, it's very far possible. as I know.
0: <laughs> so you but you grew up in the South?
1: Yes, yes. I grew up in um Greensboro, North Carolina. So I've been here my entire life. I'm 23 so so even <laughs> it's a long time to be here up in the south and being and knowing that there people
0: know how to spot mixed folks in the south people still jump automatically to you being a-
1: absolutely like I said most of them are Hispanic people that do it yeah some I I have some white people who will come up and maybe ask or assume I think they kind of think mixed more than anything mm-hmm. but they still kind of like most people just stare like that's what I I don't get questions I to be honest, I would prefer people to come ask me, like, what my ethnicity is. I don't think it's rude, personally. Oh, really? But what I think is rude is when you just stare at me. So, everywhere I go, like, I've always been used to people just staring. I think it's just them trying to figure out, like, who I am. Like, even my boyfriend will notice. He's like, I, I've got, like, a tunnel vision now <laughs> because I've had a deal it for so long. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of just ignore it. But he will notice, like, when we're in the stores, he's like, everybody keeps staring at you. He's like, she keeps staring at you. Like, she's trying to figure out what you are. I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what all people do. They're looking like, what is she? Like, um, human. I think (laughs) that's interesting. So I've been told.
0: Yeah, because for me, like, I I'm used to the stairs. I'm also used to the people who come up and ask me what I am or tell me I'm exotic-looking and stuff like that. And all that pisses me off because it's sort of in my case, it's my decision to tell you if that's what I want to do or whatever. You know, just because you're curious about me isn't necessarily doesn't mean I have to like it's not my answer. obligation right right yeah but in, but in your case because the stairs are so obvious and obnoxious you're just
1: like just come up to
0: me like you're just exhausted by it
1: you're like just come yeah up I'm just me. like you might as well just go ask me. like you're looking <laughs> super hard like you might as well just ask like it, now if somebody comes up rude like they're just like what are you or like yeah. something weird it's like okay let's chill out like do you go up to every person asking that question No. right you saw me you saw light skin curly hair you just thought like oh she must be something outrageous i'm like i think nowadays black and white like mix is pretty common pretty Like maybe common. maybe back in like the 60s or 70s it's like oh my god a mixed person you know because of segregation right. and stuff but it's so common nowadays. I'm like, why do you still look at me? Like I'm in a zoo or right. like I'm this rare fine. I'm like, and I honestly, see people all the time.
0: Right. And cause honestly, like if people, if you say I'm mixed, people automatically assume you mean black and white. It's it, you, you have to go into the explanation if there's anything else going on. Like in my case, I'm black, Japanese, and white. I don't know the white side of my family, though, so I don't identify with them. They're just in there, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, like, I'll tell people I'm mixed, and then I go black, Japanese, you know, and then I go down my list and explain it afterwards if I'm gonna tell people up front what I am. But a lot of the times,
1: people go, oh, I would've thought black and white. And it's like, yeah, that's because that's all you think. Yeah, and see, I can can imagine. That's why I was like, it's funny, because I think black and white is so common, but I get the opposite of what I actually am. And then, like, mixed can be, like, so many different things. Mm-hmm. like you can literally have I don't know like white and like chi- like white and Chinese or black and Chinese like you know blazing like, there's so many different things that you can mix out there mm-hmm. and people would just so commonly I thought would be like, Oh, black and white. That's me. Yeah, I'm no, like, I well, think technically that's mixing intermingling any two races is mixed.
0: Right. So. And that is fair because a lot of the guests that I have that are mixed with a non black and white mix will say, you know, a lot of time. Like I've had people, Asian mixed folks say that I didn't even know I could consider myself mixed because, <laughs> you know, uh, the assumption is that if you say mixed, you're talking about black and white, especially here in the States. Uh, so it, I think exactly. it is, it's fair to to think that people think that is what is going on. But what about, so growing up in the South, I imagine there is a certain kind of a stigma or something related to being biracial in the South. In your case, do you see other people like you often? Do you find each other?
1: Um, I do. I do see a lot of, um, I think it was more slight when I was a kid hmm. and it was a little bit harder because I didn't see it as much. But I think, like I said, nowadays, I think it's a lot more common. So especially in kids, I see a lot more mixed kids. Mm. If I see anybody mixed, like on social media, as far as in where I'm from, not not a whole lot, but like I said, more than when I was a kid. But you yeah. can like like you said, you can kind of kind of spot it. I may not know what you are, but I know you have some type of mixed. The right, system. there's more yeah. than one thing going on with you. So I'm able to spot it a little more. But yeah, it's like being being in the, in the South. It's like I don't know, people people are weird here. <laughs> People you weird, and then like I it's the it. South, so people automatically like, oh, the South, like you know, mm-hmm. redneck, racist, like sweet tea, like there's all types of like <laughs> sweet, sweet, tea. sweet tea. Sweet tea is a big thing. I'm like, I no, I, I, you. know, when I came to California a few weeks ago and I met you for the first time, right? And like I found out like sweet tea is not a thing there, and if it is, it's disgusting i was right. like oh no, i is. couldn't do this <laughs> i was
0: like no i can't it's i grew up on too. sweet tea <laughs> it's funny too because there's like my my black side of my family is southern and but they migrated here to, to southern california and stuff like that but so sweet tea was done a certain way growing up and i knew what it was but when i go to places like you know like mcdonald's now thinks that they have a sweet tea or um you know it's trendy to go to so not any not average place but like in in these little trendy restaurants and bars or whatever, you can get sweet tea now too. And it just it doesn't it's better than just straight up iced
1: tea that you mix sugar in, but it's not not the same. same. Not yeah, it's not southern sweet tea, the, like southern sweet tea at all. I swear, like I've never been like everybody in the South knows how to make sweet tea. And like, it doesn't matter what it's saying like I go to like um Japanese restaurants and they make some they got bomb sweet red. tea. Yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. make it bomb. So I'm like, like how do you mess this up? <laughs> it's, it's just sugar, water and face. tea. I don't get it. You know
0: but, the problem is because they don't realize you're supposed to put the sugar in hot when it's Hot.
1: yeah so then it just kind of sits or yeah it's it's not enough i'm like maybe you just have to have a, a palette for it i don't know there's probably something in california that i wouldn't know how to make i wouldn't make it right like maybe i have a special beverage or something so yeah th- that's
0: well i'll say that even like my experience of when i have gone to the south actually the only time that i've ever had like a really directed prejudice towards me from a black person like mm-hmm. a hard, like a hardcore prejudice versus just kind of like a mm, you're mixed. You're not really black that, that kind of stuff happens here, oh, here. Man, yeah. but it's not, it's, it's not like this one experience I had when I was in the Atlanta airport, I was with my, my little Japanese grandma. We were about to, we were traveling. So we went to a Burger King on a layover and this little black kid behind the counter goes, what the hell race are you? As soon as he saw me, he he'd been, what? and it was the first time a black person ever asked me what I was. Cause I mean, you see my, you see what I look like. I do present yellow, but usually black people know uh, mm-hmm. that I'm black. And this is the first time a black person in my whole life had ever asked me if I, like, did that you work. Know. Yeah. I mean, usually they'll be like, what are you mixed with? Like, they start in with, what are you mixed with? Yeah, they um, know, they know or, it's or,
1: black and something. Yeah, they're like, or they playing, can't figure out something. that other something. This is he's the first like, time Where are he's like, I
0: don't know what the hell. So he's like, what the hell race are you? And I was like, black, Japanese, and white. And he's like, can you tell people? And I was like, yeah, I tell people. And he goes, don't do that. And he was like 16. Like, he couldn't have been a day over 16. He was just a kid behind the counter. And I was a full grown ass adult, like what? <laughs> but I was, don't a, do that. you know, I was a West coaster. Like we could be out a little bit more about, about it. And I guess what, from his perspective or where he grew up, uh, you didn't talk about that kind of stuff. So it did, it did make me a little nervous about what it meant to be mixed in the South, even after all these years, because my family all migrated out, you know, they all right. ended up in, in California. So I didn't know really what it was what it was like and I wonder how uh, do you find community or anything like that when you're when you're being when you're living as a mixed person in in
1: the south um pro- it would probably be less than I feel like like even just being in California for like that week I was there and I mm-hmm. was like my first time ever there I can see oh, it? like all the different races and like nobody's really looking nobody's really from what I've seen judging like it's I like oh, thought it's one so big mixing pot.
0: The same reaction while you're walking around California.
1: Yeah, like I don't think it was the same thing. I mean, people look, people want to stay regardless. Like, but it wasn't oh. like what I get here. Right. So as far as like community goes, I don't have like a community of like mixed people besides like my sister, <laughs> right? That I can go to and like have these conversations with or connect with. It's not, it's not like that. No. Mm. And I connect more with my black side. Mm -hmm. Only two people on my white side is my grandma and my mother. That's the only two people I deal with. Right. The other one's not so much. And it was like that, like when I was a kid, we went over there a lot more, but again, like, especially being a child and being mixed, I don't think people realize people like, Oh, well, you know, you're mixed. You can fit in everywhere. And it's like, actually it's the opposite like (laughs) you're too you're too black for the whites and you're too white for the blacks and then everybody else just doesn't know what you are so it's like you don't really feel like you fit anywhere so if I I mean except for like my family I went to my family like my on my black side like Mm -hmm. I was home like it didn't matter they didn't care that my mom was white like they loved her she grew up with them so it was like that was I felt at home then I go to the other side and it's like playing like with my little white cousins and stuff it was like we were getting stared or mm. it was just like an uneasy feeling and that's as a kid and you don't really understand what it is so you get older and you realize yeah. like oh okay that's you why y'all realize it like
0: and it definitely affects you but you don't really when you're that young you don't really understand what it is what exactly. is that
1: and then you, you kind of i see why people get like identity crisis and stuff for a while i feel like i had it i've seen like extreme cases where people literally like i've seen like mixed girls and they grew up with their white side and they just swear up and down like they're white. Their mm-hmm. dad can be dark as midnight. And that's just what they were around. And that's what they wanted to associate associate with. So they kind of just stuck to that mm-hmm. instead of accepting both sides. I accept my white side. Like I said, I love my mother and my grandmother. Mm-hmm. But I just so happen to identify more with my black side because that's what I grew up with yeah. and at the same time no matter what I'm still a minority so it's like
0: yeah just because you're half doesn't mean you can maneuver a space like a white woman you will always be
1: exactly so I can't turn the them. switch on and off I can't right. go into the office and you know say my name is Becky and walk in there like no they're gonna look at you like curly hair tan skin big lips no nah, not right. gonna work here so it was right. like growing up like that and like I said being around them kind of they weren't necessarily like blatant with it like in my face like you're mixed like don't play with my kids the only person that was like that I had one person that was my aunt Cynthia's husband and which was crazy because his best friend was black but he just didn't like he didn't (laughs) like in yeah he didn't like interracial that's what yeah. his problem was. He didn't mind having his best friend being black. He don't care if you're black, but he didn't like white and blacks mixing. So That's like, that I'm, really like,
0: old idea of
1: like Yeah. And like it was weird, friend like, is black, your but you can't best bring it Exactly. Yeah. So like we would go over there and play, and I we'd be running around my cousins and he would make us go sit in the room. Like he like, Y'all need to sit down, blah, blah, blah. But let them keep playing. So mm-hmm. like 10, 15 minutes go by, and like my Aunt Cynthia comes in and she's like, Why are you guys sitting on the bed? I'm like, Well, um, no, he told us to go sit down. He's like, no, you can go play. Like, he mm. he just treated us differently. And it was, like, really – he was the only one that was really blatant about it. Like, he was in your face like, I, no, I don't like y'all being here. And he was, yeah. really, like, really old school. So. He was babies. Yeah, and I'm like, I just want to play with my cousin. You know, I didn't you know? think anything of when I was a kid. I didn't think that – you know, I go put my white cousin, put my black cousins, and I didn't see color, I was like, oh, this is my cousin's Tangie and Sadie's, and this yeah. is my cousin Day. and it was, there was no, like, difference to me as a kid, until I started seeing adults point stuff out, or I got smart enough to hear conversations and listen like, what they would say, and I'm like, am I really that different? Am, am I really something to, like, to talk about or think about? So, that's what kind of, kind of started, and then, of course, as you get into puberty and school, and, kids are kids so kids say stuff and they're like they don't think about it they're just like this is how I feel so you get to right. like elementary school and middle school and kids are asking you what you are they're picking on you or you think you're black don't you don't you, just, you think you're black
0: you're not Man, black. you You just think you're know. black that's that one hurts Yeah, it's <laughs> like,
1: well I I, I mean I, I am my dad's black I but, yeah I Long I don't Beach, don't you've here. seen my dad come I'm in Long here Beach. he's like six <laughs> foot tall dreads charcoal like that's my real father I came yeah. out of, you know I I came from him but people they kids do they're like no nah, there's no way like they don't get that and then especially like depending on how they're raised they don't see that and then like again some people are still they don't do the interracial thing so if they're not used to that and then they see someone like you it's like what is, I, I seen you coming here with your mom and she was white mm-hmm. then you said that's your dad that don't make sense <laughs> and it's like you know like, as a kid how do you explain it to other kids and it's like it starts making you question yourself and you start Trying to figure out, like, well, what am I really? Like I said, there was this, like, isolation of not mm-hmm. belonging anywhere. People right. get this m- misconception that because you're mixed, you can fit in anywhere. And it's, like, it's the absolute opposite. Since I was a kid, it's always been you don't you don't fit in anywhere. Like I said, you're too black to be white. And you're too white to be black. But as I've gotten older, it's, like, stuff like that, I don't even think about it anymore. Like I said, middle school, it was kind of hard because, you, like I said, you're just getting to puberty. You're just trying to find yourself. You don't really know what to do. You, sometimes you get ashamed. like, "Oh, like, well, when I'm around like my black, you know, peers, and they know I have a white mom, they kind of treat me weird." And maybe I should just, you know, not mm-hmm. accept that side, or like, what do I do? But then they don't accept me because I'm not fully black. So, am I just not black? Like, it, it's it's right. so it's like an inside a internal it's- struggle. Yeah, and you start questioning yourself and questioning life, and like, what the heck am I? What do I do with myself? Where do I go? Like, um, like I like I start questioning myself Mm -hmm. like yeah like when you think you're just like a person and then people start making it something else then that makes you think like well am I not just a person like am I not black and white can I not be both can I I have to pick a side like and like I said I identify more with my black side but I'm never ashamed to say I'm black and white like I'm never ashamed of any part of me so as a kid it was different now it's like I'm, I'm more like, this is what I am. Like I said, people look at you now like, oh, you're so exotic and you're so mm. this and that. And then there's like this battle between light skin and dark skin. And really the battle is not even with us. It's with social media and society. So like yeah. when I see posts and people are like, oh, light skin people are better. I'm like, that's not true. Like all skin colors are beautiful. And right. then people get mad at light skinned people or mixed people because they're like, "Oh, well now everybody thinks mixed you people think are you there. look better." Yeah, yeah that, you that think was you the look thing better Because you're light skin, I'm like, mm-hmm. and I've had people like say stuff like that, and I'm like, I don't think these things at all. Like, I love really, dark skin people. I love really people in unfair. shade. Yeah. yeah, and it's like now it's now it's down the blame is on us when it's like I didn't choose that somebody's personal opinion is light skin is better or like I right. love me chocolate man. My boyfriend's chocolate. Like, right? I have no issues with that. It's the it's the social media that does it. So then when they put it out there, then dark-skinned people see like, oh, now they just look at every light-skinned person like, oh, well, you just think you're better because you're light-skinned. Oh, why? Because society say you're supposed to be better? Like, I didn't say that. Or me, <laughs> because you I saw a post on crisis. Facebook. I didn't post it. Right.
0: Yeah, I had the crisis and when I was a teenager in that, like, I grew up in a Black neighborhood by, you know, I went to a Black church and my friends and family were all Black. My dad was Black. And I was this yellowish kind of like looking like a black person, you know, walking around and mm-hmm. I felt like I like I did not feel more beautiful because I was lighter. In fact, I felt uglier because I wasn't because the people around me that I thought were beautiful were darker skin. So for exactly. me, the measure of beauty was dark skin. And that was my crisis to deal with as with my identity is, you know, not being dark enough. How do I get to be as black as I how how do people get to see me as a black person when I'm as black as I am on the inside, you know, like you know I was I'm very militant about things and stuff like that I grew up in the hood like I have a very specific kind of blackness that doesn't get seen because of the way I present and in your case you being maybe so visibly more obviously black than I am (laughs) you know (laughs) in that case um, Hmm. the fact that you are also dealing with the same type of Uh, reaction, like the people are reacting to you very similar to how they react to me. And you and I don't look like we have the same race, even though we share two of three of the things we're mixed with. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, You know, that's a weird, it's a weird thing to try to wrap your head around and that, that you could be living in these different places. And my issue of being too light to feel beautiful and someone else's issue to be being light and feeling more beautiful is very weird we cannot win if we're gonna approach it with what other people think about you know
1: exactly and of course there's there's, those apples in the bunch that there are people who are cocky or think they're better because they're light-skinned because that's how society creates it so Mm -hmm. then people start thinking like how white people just think they're this dominant race and they Rule the world. And it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, the, actually, there's less of you than there are of minorities. If we but all band together, this, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, there's, the numbers are unmatched. <laughs> but I'm like, but that's what they just have this idea of. So the same mm-hmm. thing with light skinned people. The world's telling them, like, oh, you're better. You're better because you're light skinned. And you have those, you have people like me and you who are like, no, that's not true. Like, yeah. all races are beautiful. And then you have the other light skinned people who are like, oh, absolutely. You know, my mm-hmm. skin is than yours and i'm tamed. that's actually
0: why i dropped out of some of this. so when i was trying to get more people to listen to the show and maybe come on the show i was adding all these facebook mixed race groups and there were some very light skin centric groups where they were just basically hating on anybody darker than you know any, anybody who could pass the, mm-hmm. the bag test those were the people that were ugly in these groups and i just couldn't i couldn't abide by it. like you know i i'm put in my comments to be like look we're mixed we already deal with enough struggle we don't need to be internally beating each other up because of some shit we don't have any control over I can't control that I turned out the color that I did because if I did I would have if I could have picked I would have been browner you know like that kind of stuff and I could I couldn't stick in them I couldn't stay in those groups that are very light skin centric just because it was so hate it seems so hateful And like they were regurgitating all of the things that we hear in white supremacy. Whereas there's other mixed race groups on the, on Facebook and stuff that are about like, Oh my gosh, they put blue eyes with red hair on brown skin. Like, that's awesome. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, like everybody has a thing where they can actually, in these groups that I'm in now, they actually celebrate the different ways that we come out. I mean, even within your own family, you don't look the same, you know, some of us. So it's nice to be able to celebrate that and not isolate the ones that came out a certain way
1: exactly and everybody everybody's there's so many different shades it's crazy and it's beautiful like my my boyfriend's mom you would look at her and you would think she was either like belaysian or some type of asian descent because Mm -hmm. that's the face she has like she literally has a face that looks like she could be asian Mm. but her parents are both brown skinned black people Mm. like and she's about as light as me and it is crazy and but she both her parents are black Mm. and sometimes that's just how it happens like it just comes out and my cousin he had he has a kid and um his baby's mom is they're they're both black and my his son is light made a little bit darker than me and has curly hair Mm. like and it's crazy, especially when he first came out, but he's darkened up a little bit, but he's still lighter. Like he's way lighter and it's, it's crazy. I'm like, you never know what color you're going to come out as like. I
0: really don't. I mean, my full brother and I don't look like we're the same race necessarily. I actually resemble closer one of my cousins on my dad's side than I do my own full brother. Um, and crazy. then I have half siblings. Like I have a half sibling that looks like a white version of me. <laughs> very nice blonde hair it's a trip <laughs> but uh yeah you just you don't know so it's it's to even put that on us as an extra level of something that we need to combat as mixed race people is ridiculous yeah. We got just to
1: be a certain way supposed to look a certain way or people just assume they have you figured out because they look at you like oh you're mixed you must have had everything handed to you i'm like that has nothing to do with like how my life passed like you right. said like i grew up in the ghetto that's yeah. how we did we did what we had to do eventually my mom was able when i got to high school we were able to get to um, a nicer neighborhood, and I was able to go to a nicer mm-hmm. school, but before mm-hmm. that, I, I, like, being from here, anybody who knows, like, North Carolina or Greensboro, like, being on the east side, it's straight ghetto, and that's mm-hmm. where I grew up at, and, but, you know, it's, it was no problem, that's where I was, and my mom decided, this is where we have to be for now, mm-hmm. and she got us to a better place, but, and I, you know, just because I don't walk around like, I mean, don't get me wrong. My hood can come out when it needs to, <laughs> Same. but I know how to walk around and present myself though when I need to, as I tell you, I'm like, don't, don't let it come out. don't let it fool you. But if I need to walk around and present myself in a professional manner, then that's what I do just because right. I don't, you know, when I'm in a, when a in a closed environment at home, around my friends, you get around certain people, then it starts coming out a little more and, you know. Yeah you guys are acting up or whatever but when I go out like I know how I should act in public right I know how I should act when I go to a job interview like you know I just be that doesn't that doesn't necessarily come from being black or white that just comes from how I was raised and being like as a person but it's not acting black it's not acting white like yeah I'm just being I mean, a person.
0: We are kind of trained to code switch probably a little quicker um, as mixed folks because we see the w- difference the way our mom behaves versus the way our dad behaves. You know, like I think we do right. have a little bit of that a little earlier probably mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. some of our other counterparts because I don't know when I'm doing it all the time. I mean, I, I do sometimes. I, I actively know what I'm doing it and I've described it on this show before is the voice that you hear me speaking now is sort of my code switch because I had to. I left the ghetto and I dropped my accent, you know, it took me, it took me like three years for it to fully be gone, but you put me in around people talking that way and I'm back give you know, it it give me triggered. a few minutes and I'm back, you know? Yeah. Um, but I've now maneuvered say a corporate space or, or professional space long enough that this is the voice that I talk with. And this is a voice I got because I was working at a place, you know, like it's the right. accent that I created through that. So this is my code switch. Um, but I'm, I guess I'm living with it more than, than my old accent, also because I, I don't hear my old accent as often now right. that I live where I live, so do you in your on your black side of your family, you said that they they were all very welcoming, and they also welcomed your mom in. Did they have any kind of colorism going on in there? They never did the "Oh, you're too light or or even making fun of the darker skin relatives or anything like
1: that. It was pretty open? No, yeah, I mean, besides the normal like family roasts there was nothing like <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was nothing malicious like there was nothing like oh no you got the too light skin or, you know well y'all are like why are these cousins so dark skin like it was never that my black side like I said they would you know they would pick with us and stuff but it was sincere picking it was like you family I'm right. I'm roasting you like it wasn't like other people when they look at you they're gonna like make said, fun of like you for having a big head um, and a wonky knee or some shit absolutely so I got, I've always had a big forehead. So that was my thing. I had a big forehead. Same, and I do. That's why I, I got, got called that. five heads. So <laughs> five heads. That's like, the same thing. <laughs> so it was like, that's, but I mean, like I said, that's just normal family picking. It wasn't nothing, per, you know, personal. Right. So, but other than that, no, they never, like I said, my mom grew up over there. Like she literally at my granny's house. That's where she stayed most Mm. of the time, like, when her and my dad were together, she lived there with them, she always grew up around them, they all went to the same school, you know, then she met my dad, and they got together, so she was always around them, my mom was one of those, like, she was one of those, like, white people who, she hung with more black people than anything, so I think that can be different, too, like, because that's how my mom was, but then you have, like, you might have, like, a a a preppy white mom you know who grew up in the suburbs my mom was the opposite she didn't she grew up in the ghetto she grew up up with black people she identified more black people and she loved black people like she married one so that that was her it was that's why it was different being around her as Mm -hmm. a white mom because I didn't really see her as white until people pointed out because my mom didn't act like a, a normal white lady I guess what normal yeah. would be she was like oh my goodness you know my, my mom was not like that she did she not play <laughs> she like she had a black soul she she does have a black soul I'm saying yeah. was like past tense she does so <laughs> It's it's I think that could play a factor too that was different so she grew up around them they loved her mm-hmm. you know then she had us they loved us like as long as my dad was happy and all that like as far yeah. as I know there was never any prob- any doubt like oh man you know I know yeah. he's mar- marrying a white lady oh, Lord, like as far as I knew I'm sure like internally someone in the family probably thought I'm a little right, bit like yeah. let's see how this is gonna work out but once you know once they met my mom and got used to her and us like there was never any I never felt different when I was hanging on my cousins on my black side and I they think that's like the reason the
0: why side. a lot of us do identify with our blackness. I mean, I, some of us don't, but I think a lot of us do because of the wel- the more welcoming that we get. Like black folks, especially here in the states, black folks here in the states are kind of used to the possibility that you might have some white in you from far back. You know, like we're we're kind of more used to it, so we're mm-hmm. more accepting of the. We did internalize as a community the one drop rule things like that you know we they they made it up but we took it on and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. I do always usually feel a lot more welcomed around black folks Um, but similar to you my mom's the Japanese and white one but she has a 30 plus year long career doing black hair exclusively and she always dates black men and (laughs) you know we're always in black circles because of my mom whereas my dad was more of like a trying to not be black black guy you know like he was...
1: and your dad was black correct
0: yeah my dad was black that's and so... hilarious
1: that's exactly how my dad was really was. <laughs> like my dad was six foot something dreads like he looked like what would be the like oh, a typical black dad. guy in the hood when I right. my mom used to tell me stories of my dad like she was like you know how I met your dad she was like he was in the skating rink with glow sticks in his shoes <laughs> and like like he was in a rave or something this was this black guy and mm. then my mom was the white girl like what are you doing? Like, she didn't do that stuff. So she, um, what you would say would be acting black. And my dad, he acts white. like he does all that's the exactly what white right people, people would do would type describe stuff. My parents. That's hilarious. <laughs> and it, it's, it was funny. And like, I didn't think of it back then. It's like, Oh, you know, my mom acts black and my dad acts white, but they're <laughs> the opposite races. Like I'm like, Oh, but well, that's how my dad acts. You know, he kind of right. acts weird and he does this type of stuff. And my mom don't do that stuff. And right. and then people like, like start pointing it out. Like your mom act black. <laughs>
0: Well, my mom's okay. the one who named me. Uh, so, like, my dad's name is Brad because his mom's British, so <laughs> he's got like a white British cauc- Caucasian name. Uh-huh. And, and my mom is Japanese, and she called me Charmaine Latrice. And it is not spelt the way you expect Latrice to be spelt, and neither is Charmaine. And yeah. so, like, it was my Japanese mom that was really trying to blackify me as much as possible. Um, oh, yeah. And then it kind of played out that way. Like, my brother has a white name. I have a black or perceived white name and a perceived black name and we behave accordingly i you know i'm (laughs) I'm more attached to the black side my brother's more attached i guess with the white side oh that's That's funny funny. i wonder if there's something to that too where like it's probably dangerous territory to be walking down but like (laughs) where a black dude who seeks that who is like trying to not be the stereotypical black or whatever he's trying to de-blackify himself that he might Mm -hmm. go towards because i feel like that was the case with my dad because he always seeks a Uh, He always sought out women that were white or white looking and both of his, um, you know, my mom and my, my my half siblings, moms were um, mixed white. Both of them were like white and Mexican or white and Japanese, you know, something like that. So we're like kind of white looking, but, um, but different things. And, uh, and yeah, my mom my mom to this day I think is still very black acting you know
1: <laughs> that's what my mom knows too and it's funny because like my mom works at home um she does like customer service mm-hmm. so it's so funny to see her like switch up like she gets like that oh that between being a place. black voice hi and a how are you how may I take your call <laughs> and then like she'll like she'll mute the phone and be like yeah i sit down somewhere I'll, I'll go off I'm like who oh, are bad. you I'm like, you acting so fake on the phone. It's so <laughs> funny to see her switch, though, like, when she has her customer service voice, and right. then when she gets normal, like, she'll snap. It's hilarious. That's funny.
0: Before we get too far out, though, I kind of want to get into your interest in martial arts and w- when that started for you and how you've come as far as you have diving into more Asian culture and interests.
1: Right. It. Um. Well, I started doing martial arts when I met my boyfriend. So it was about three years ago he's actually a martial arts instructor. So when I met him, um, I didn't know what he did at first. Like, you know, we just met and then I found out that he taught martial arts. Mm. So I went to one of his classes and I really enjoyed like seeing what he did. And Mm -hmm. the fact that he was so passionate about it, I'm like, wow, like this is something I want to try. So me, I'm like one of the least athletic people ever. Like all I did before I met him was play video games and like watch TV and stuff. Like I, I didn't mm-hmm. do anything athletic, so doing that was something really outside of my comfort zone. But the fact that I liked seeing him do it so much, it was something I wanted to try. Mm. And then once I started doing it, I loved it. And aside from just like the confidence of doing it, feeling you can protect yourself, um, uh, just accomplishing things. Like we do things that are for self defense and stuff like that too. Everything has application, mm-hmm. even our even our forms and our katas, but it's just like that confidence and that achievement of knowing you did something. And, um, like I said, feel like you can protect yourself and it's just, it feels really good. And on top of that, it builds a sense of community. Like I have met so many people just doing martial arts, like going to seminars, going to tournaments, um, just participating in stuff or finding groups online. Like that, that's really kind of how we met Lee, uh, the black ninja mm-hmm. was, because he did martial arts. And then we kind of met and then, Now we have like this whole group thing going and it's amazing, but that's something we did through the community of martial arts and it's awesome. So doing that and now really taking that and putting it together with the content we create on social media, like our videos, Mm -hmm. we do cosplay. Um, Now we take our martial arts skills and put that with the cosplay and then we're able to actually do what these anime characters do. So it's something really amazing that we all create together and I just, it's just a sense of community and I yep. love it and the the nerd in me it just <laughs> it added more to like it. it all started to make sense once you clicked. exactly exactly yeah. now you feel like you're a part of this group that like not a lot of people get and it's like wow this is this is great It it fueled me really like right. doing it it just fueled me to want to do more
0: yeah I will say, you know, I only spent what I was with you guys for maybe like two hours or something uh, Mm -hmm. that day. And just the, just the, the little time that I was with y'all, you really did feel like a family. You, you, y'all stayed busy. I mean, I'm, I'm interviewing Lee and your boyfriend was practicing uh, form to the side of it. Like I could see him from the <laughs> peripheral view you uh-huh. know, and I could, feel, I could feel how connected you all were and, and that you had a really good support system within all the things that you guys were geeked for and the work that you put in. I mean, I've been following Lee for a while on social media and so I have been... Seeing videos of, of all of you before, but um, mm-hmm. getting to chance to actually meet you all in person, you know, got a stronger connection. So I was excited to to see that. But you are you also you were an also an anime nerd before you got involved in this, or did that come from the martial arts as
1: well? Oh no, yeah, that that's a lifelong lifelong uh, lifelong thing, lifelong thing of mine. Yeah. So were <laughs> Since you I was in elementary school? Geared,
0: I guess to other kids, because like not only were you mixed, but you were also an anime and stuff like that. Did people know that you were like this when you were growing up?
1: Yes, and that was also thing that added to it was like not only was I mixed, but I was into like anime and Japanese art and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I was the person in fifth grade like drawing ninjas on my paper <laughs> and people and and a lot like to me, for the most part, I didn't really care like I loved doing that stuff. I loved watching anime, I loved playing video games. they were both like an escape for me, so I enjoyed doing that but you know, I said, growing up in a black neighborhood, already being looked at different because you're a mix, and mm-hmm. now you're just weird, and, like, I, I used to carry, like, these weird pocketbooks, like, my aunt, every time she would travel somewhere, she mm-hmm. would get me a purse from somewhere, so I had, like, um, I had, like, a Minnie Mouse, it was, like, the purse was shaped like Minnie Mouse's head, mm-hmm. and it was, like, this little, you know, crossbody pocketbook, I used to love it, I had one that had, like, comic stuff on it, and she would just get she knew I liked that stuff, so she would get me that everywhere she went, and I carried it, and, people are like oh that's weird like Mm-mm. so between that and what I watched and um like I said I just drew ninjas on my paper and doing all this stuff like that right it added to me being weird and a
0: different person, yeah.
1: I I enjoyed it but like I said people looked at me different so I got bullied a lot when I was younger mm. because I was like super skinny I had big feet <laughs> I was mixed People didn't know I, you know, people didn't know they how didn't to know handle that. Play, yeah. I liked anime, I carried weird pocketbooks. I was like the smart kid. Like my mama didn't play when it came to grades. Mm-hmm. So I was always a person in class asking questions. Um, I was spelling bee champ. I enjoyed grammar and stuff. I loved math. Like we had a contest to see who could memorize the most numbers after the decimal for uh the sign pi. of pi. Mm-hmm. And I memorized the most out of everybody. I think it was like like uh twenty-five, twenty-six, something like that. Nice. And I, I got, I just studied it. I liked challenging myself and stuff like that. But that also made me stick out because right. most people in my class is like, we were in a bad neighborhood. So most kids, they, you know, they didn't care. They, didn't, they weren't really doing much, like playing around, tossing stuff in the back of class. Like, and I was a person one, I knew my mom didn't play. And two, I actually enjoyed learning. So mm. people always was me for that, like, like that, like I thought I was better or, you know, you just like this nerdy little kid. Oh, you just think you're so smart. So like I said and I was scrawny like I had um a lot of kids around me were especially the girls they were like really developed. I was a late bloomer. So I had like no chest, no butt, no nothing like so 6th, 7th grade like I was Flat as a pancake, nerdy as can be, like, and it just added to the <laughs> the all-time mystery of everybody looking at me like, oh my yeah. goodness, this girl. But it clicks into
0: place now. You found your tribe with the being able exactly. to and that's incorporate I'm like, your nerdery into. Yeah, now, your it's,
1: now it's now so now it's so cool to be a nerd. It's yeah, like, yeah. Now you feel like everybody feel like they're cool, and I'm like, where where are these like all the friends we're I had now? now years, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> man. I'm like, where was y'all at when I needed y'all? I'm like, I didn't have none of these people. The people I was around, people thought like that was the weirdest thing. Yeah. now like my whole group of friends like we do all that stuff and you tell people and they're like oh man you watch anime too That's right. so, Oh, you play video games and it's so cool to do that now and it's like the community i found through playing games and social media and going to um cons and stuff is so awesome to see not only more nerds but more black nerds mm-hmm. and just seeing people of color like oh yeah i love that me
0: and, and my my co-host on blurred comics um mm-hmm. He and I grew up together. I used to play at his house because his mom was had a daycare, so she used to watch mm-hmm. me and my brother. He and I never knew we were into nerdy shit. We kept we it was, you didn't talk about that stuff. You kept it to yourself. So like right. pe- people would assume like people were okay with me watching anime because they knew I was Japanese, but so I wasn't really being a nerd in that case to them. I was just being Japanese, but mm-hmm. reading comics and all that other kind of stuff that wasn't something yeah. we talked about. So he and I have this show together now but we've known each other over 25 years and never knew the other one was a nerd until like 10 years ago.
1: That's crazy. You know, like
0: we're only coming like out of the closet about some of this stuff. Uh, and really it's just because social media allows us to do it now. And it is Mm -hmm. a little bit cooler to be a nerd, but you could grow, like I'm saying we grew up together and we didn't know about each other.
1: There was probably some closeted nerds that I, that went to my school, who didn't want nobody to know because, you know, you wasn't tough if you was a nerd or you wasn't cool if you was, a, you know, if you liked that stuff. I so. well, probably
0: even saw how you were being treated because you were a little bit more obvious about your your pocketbooks and your drawings yeah. and things like that. So, you know, they're like, well, I don't want to be treated like she's getting treated. Right. You know, stuff like that. All right. But we are coming a little bit close to the end of the show. So I do like to always ask my guests uh, because we do talk about trauma and, you know, racism and things like that that we deal with growing up or whatever as mixed folks. But what do you love most about being next
1: hmm, let's see most I, I enjoy I enjoy being that bridge and I enjoy being um, to me able to being able to connect to multiple races mm-hmm. and having that like getting to see kind of both sides like you know I've seen the white side I've seen the black side to go through those hardships and kind of like help people understand like hey like we can all do this together like my mm-hmm. mom and dad can get together You know, not saying that black people gotta make white people, but we can all like get along. Yeah. So stuff like being that bridge and just being being different, like being younger, being different was kind of hard because it's like you didn't feel like you belonged. But now, just like I enjoy being being something that I feel like is is different, or Mm -hmm. um, just being me, like I feel like it's 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 interesting. It's an interesting journey that people don't a lot of people don't understand, and I'm glad that there's things like. Like, this podcast and other things that I see on social media where people are bringing it to light because, like I said, people have their assumptions of mixed people or or what it is or, you know, mix, mix, mixing races or killing off other races. Like, I just want to, like, stop all, like, the misconception mm-hmm. between being mixed, being mixed and being a nerd, being mixed, being a nerd, and being a woman, like, right. a woman who likes video games, a woman who likes comic books, like, and yeah, right. doing that and being mixed and being a woman like when you put all three of those things together it's like a triple threat people are like oh whoa whoa wait a minute yeah i mean look
0: at what y'all are doing when when you're uh when the poster popped up for uh, it's on it's on instagram and i'll put a link to it but uh the the curly head shinobi poster popped up with mm-hmm. and lee it's just like i mean i'm i'm a black and japanese kid so this is my fantasy world like combining <laughs> blackness with with samurai culture and ninja culture and things like that like that i mean is so exciting for me to see but i didn't get things like that there wasn't there wasn't even afro samurai or anything like that when i was was growing up we you know we weren't we weren't doing that they weren't doing that kind of stuff or whatever so to see that like you have found okay you know you've 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 found this joy in this thing and you're translating that thing into content so that other people get to see it and experience it and have fun with it as well. Like that, it's really meaningful. And I'm glad that you're out there doing that. Um, Both representing as a woman who geeks and as a mixed race, woman, you know, all of the, the commas and and things like that that you add to it, I'm I'm really glad. I'm really glad that when I got to interview Lee, you all were there too because
1: no, I, I believe you know, I'm a firm believer in everything happens for a reason. It opened,
0: you know, it opened up a lot of opportunity for more conversation between us, and and I I just really. I really enjoy it. But why don't you tell everybody how to find you? And like I said, I am going to put a link in the show notes to your Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But let everybody know how they can find you on social media.
1: Right. So um, you can find me on Facebook. It's just my name, Tiara Manuel. It's T-I-E-R-R-A, last name Manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L. I think my profile picture is currently the poster she discussed um, with me and Lee, dressed in the Kotsky robes. So if you see that, that's me. Uh, For my Instagram, it's uh, at curlyhead underscore shinobi. So head, H-E-A-D, curlyhead underscore shinobi. Um, You can follow me on Twitch. Um, I just got into streaming. So it's going to be curlyhead shinobi, all one word, no underscore. And then um, you can follow my YouTube. It's going to also be curlyhead shinobi. And we have some, we just released a video um, last week. It was a bleach visual for those who haven't seen it yet. So i got to that. it before it was launched
0: <laughs> <laughs> before it had music and everything like that it was awesome. right so now it's been <laughs>
1: edited and got the music and the special effects so that's out um when you go on my instagram page you'll see our, our past ones like we have a Akatsuki video for momo um the bleach video was when we went to blurred con and okay, then so we're um, coming up this end of october we're going to awa um, anime weekend atlanta so we'll be there. We'll kind of be posting like updates of what we're gonna group cosplay as, and you know where we're gonna be at, and stuff like that. But so that should be fun. Now, I think um, AWA is the thirty October thirty first through November second. Our group is called KSS. Um, it's Kiro Shinobi Squad. Kiro means black in Japanese. So um, we're hoping soon, maybe we'll, we'll probably make a page specifically for our group. Yeah. But um. Well, thank you so much
0: for for joining me. And I um I. A little bit jealous of you guys' group because you're so awesome and it was fun to be around <laughs> you. Uh, but also, I just love watching what you're doing and um, I will keep sharing and promoting it as well on my side just because I enjoy it so much and I don't want it to stop. Oh, um, thank but, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, The One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time-only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget... To be your mixed ass self. Main Hustle Media, turn your side hustle into your main hustle.